the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I guess, per the Supreme Court, you can't have a moment of silence in our schools. And I guess, in the court of public opinion, you can't really have a moment of silence or even decency when it comes to a tragedy like we witnessed yesterday in regard to our schools. I'm not sure whose outburst was worse, Congressman Beto O'Rourke's in Texas or Congressman Ruben Gallego's from here. You see what Ruben Gallego tweeted out yesterday at Senator Ted Cruz? I, I almost don't know if I can say this. I hate to do it in this hour, but he tweeted at Ted Cruz, F, he spelled out the word, and then you, and wrote, you care about a fetus, but you will let our children get slaughtered. Just get your, and then he used another expletive, to Cancun. You are useless, he tweeted. 21 minutes later, he doubled down. Quote, just to be clear, F, and then the rest of the letters, you, Ted Cruz, you, F, baby killer. That was Ruben Gallego to Ted Cruz yesterday. Today, Beto O'Rourke attempted to derail a press conference led by Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, in Uvalde, Texas, where there was a conversation, a press conference being given by the governor, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, the mayor of Uvalde, and Beto O'Rourke approached the stage and tried to shout down the governor and the lieutenant governor, yelling at them, you are doing nothing, you are doing nothing, and on and on. He went till he had to be escorted out of this room by police, by police. Could a day pass? Could one day pass where we took the solemnity of the moment and applied something like decency to it. Decency is a big word on this show. I use it in my commencement address every year, and I use this quote I'm about to air for you from Tom Wolfe's Bonfire of the Vanities from the movie where Morgan Freeman is playing Judge Leonard White. And it just seems to me we want to work on all the complicated stuff, and it is complicated stuff, while we don't have our basics down just yet. We want to build complex, architecturally interesting, sometimes Rube Goldberg-esque designed edifices in this country when we can't even lay a basic and solid foundation on that which we are building from. 
decency would be one of them. How did Leonard – give me the Leonard White audio for those that don't know it. This is from Bonfire of the Vanities. He's the judge yelling finally at um, at the Al Sharpton character who called him Morgan Freeman, a racist, <laughs> because he dismissed a case that needed to be dismissed. Here's Leonard uh, White. You dare call me racist? Well, I say unto you, what does it matter the color of a man's skin if witnesses perjure themselves? If a prosecutor enlists the perjurers when a district attorney throws a man to the mob for political gain and men of the cloth, men of God, take the prime cuts. Is that justice? I don't hear you. I'll tell you what justice is. Justice is the law. And the law is man's feeble attempt to set down the principles of decency. Decency. And decency is not a deal. It isn't an angle or a contract or a hustle. Decency, decency is what your grandmother taught you. It's in your bones. Now you go home. Go home and be decent. That's right. If you're going to show up at an event, at a press conference in the community where a devastating tragedy took place, a tragedy at many levels, we'll get into it and I'll discuss it at the top of my uh, third hour here as my monologue. But when you're going to do this, can you start with just basic decency? Greg, uh, excuse me, Governor, uh, Governor Abbott put this statement out after Beto O'Rourke was evacuated. He said, there are family members who are crying as we speak. There are family members whose hearts are broken. There's no word that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal that will repair the broken hearts. We all, every Texan, every American, have a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texas to, in this one moment in time, put aside personal agendas. Think of somebody other than ourselves. Think about the people who are hurt and help those who have been hurt. Absolutely right. It's not as if Beto O'Rourke is just a congressman who has an agenda. He's actually running against Governor Abbott. This could not have been a more political staging. And I suppose it's probably too much to ask that we attempt to take politics out of the polis all the time. It wouldn't be appropriate. But can we find a few times in the face of national tragedy, if not local and state tragedy, a few times where we can take the politics out of it. And if not the politics, 
then the extremism and the boisterousness and the self-promotion and the self-staging, and in the case of Ruben Gallego, the directly blaming of other congressmen who are not to blame, fellow congressmen who are not to blame, and maybe the expletives too. Could we, could we try that? Can we do that? Is our country so far gone that we can't even take a beat on something like this? I don't know. I don't know. It's a shame if we can't. It's a shame if the last best hope of Earth is no longer a decent country. It will be a shame because we won't be able to maintain our greatness. As Edmund Burke put it, manners are actually more important than laws because manners create the world in which we operate, the air in which we breathe, the water in which we drink. They can soothe and heal, and the absence of them can disrupt and disorient. And you will not have anyone following a law if they don't first appreciate manners, which is about respect for your fellow citizen and human being. It's probably worth remembering a little bit of that right now. You know, another interesting thing out of Texas, I just saw this. Uh, are you guys aware of this? George P. Bush, Jeb Bush's son, he was running for attorney general against the incumbent, lost two to one. George P. Bush, he was the land commissioner in Texas, which is a big office in Texas. It's not the attorney general, but it's a big office. The stories in Texas are this may be the end of the Bush dynasty. It may very well be. We are a bigger country than what I'm about to tell you. Do people realize that from 1976 to 2004, almost 30 years, a Bush or a Dole was on every presidential ticket for 30 years worth of presidential elections? 1976, it was Ford and Dole. 1980, obviously, Reagan-Bush. 84, Reagan-Bush. 88, Bush-Quail. 92, Bush-Quail. 96, Dole-Kemp. 2000, Bush-Cheney, 2004, Bush-Cheney, and then Jeb tried to run, of course, again. But for 30 years, it was a Bush or a Dole. We should be, and we are, clearly a bigger country than that. More importantly, a bigger party than that. George P. Bush wasn't exactly like his dad, but maybe it's time to let another guy have a shot. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're in the market for a really great and unique investment opportunity with a equally great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them. What they're offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by great people who are doing great themselves by helping others. You can be too. Y-Refi is in the business of helping people dig out of debt, doing so the right way, paying off their debts, doing it with dignity, even watching as their clients' FICO scores recover so that they can get their lives back on track as well. I want you to check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 
investyrefi.com or 855-316-3087. You've heard uh, maybe during the ad there Mike Gallagher on a clip talking about the uh, election results in Georgia. That's right. Um, Joe Biden uh, went down to Georgia uh, as most of the Democratic Party apparatuses did while Georgia was engaged in reforming its election and voting laws and claimed it was going to be Jim Crow 2.0, that what the Republicans were doing there would suppress even more votes. Will they apologize for that slander on that state? Will the athletic teams that left the state for other states as a result of that slander go back? Will they apologize? Why, why do you ask is an apology necessary? The numbers are in. Uh, the symbol and face of election fraud in Georgia was one is one Stacey Abrams, and she has claimed since her loss to Governor Kemp in 2018 that it was a fraudulent vote in the first place. She never conceded in the sense of ever saying that Kemp was legitimately elected. She had always alleged fraud. Only one party's allowed to allege voter fraud in this country, don't you know? But you know what? She more than doubled her vote after all this voter suppression from 2018. More than doubled. She got 719, 457,000 votes. 719,000 votes this time around. In the, in the primary, she was the only candidate. But she got 719,000 votes. In 2018, she got 424,000 votes. Yes, she had a primary opponent. That opponent got 130,000 votes. She still did better by about 200,000 votes this time than four years ago, all in a regime of massive Jim Crow 2.0 voter suppression. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie, and there will be no accountability for it. They just go around. This is why some people call a drive-by. Just throw out the allegation. Who cares whether it sticks? Force the other side to respond to it. Meanwhile, while we're amassing the evidence and the studies to respond to it in an educated and statistically satisfactory way, they've already moved on to the next allegation. This is how the game seems to work. This is how the game seems to work, whether it's in Georgia or whether it's really anywhere else. Uh, Another news item, you know, we were talking about yesterday, we were talking about several callers on this. Name me one thing, find me one area in political, economic, or any other social indice the president talks about or touches or has authority over that's been made better since he came into office? Name one. Name one. What is his achievement? What would he brag about? I don't mean brag in the negative sense. Presidents certainly have bragging rights when they accomplish things and they like to tout them and that's fine and dandy. But what would be his bragging right to this date? Less COVID deaths on his watch? Um, withdrawal from Afghanistan, none, none of these things constitute bragging rights. So election reform, H.R. 1, no, lost it, failed. 
um, maybe, 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 maybe successfully nominating a justice to the Supreme Court who constitutes a first on the Supreme Court and that she's an African-American female. Maybe, maybe he can brag about that. But I don't know why that's a particular bragging right. Most presidents do get their Supreme Court justice nominees. And if Joe Biden didn't try and stop it when President Bush was in office, there would have already possibly been an African-American woman on the Supreme Court in the in the um, in the name of Janice Rogers Brown. But Joe Biden didn't like her politics and her positions, so he did everything he could to stymie that. Well, how about the Iran deal? How about reconstituting the deal with Iran that Joe Biden campaigned on? Is that happening? No. Here's the Washington Times. President Biden's prospects for returning to the Obama-era deal meant to curb Iran's nuclear program are tenuous at best, the State Department's special envoy for Iran told the Senate panel on Wednesday. More than a year into the administration's push for a renewed agreement with Iran, a pursuit that has played out amid a chorus of objections from Capitol Hill that are bipartisan, Special Envoy Robert Malley said the White House is prepared to walk away if Iran continues to make untenable demands for returning to the deal. Untenable demands. Untenable demands. Iran is an untenable state. Freedom House is about the most nonpartisan institution in this country. I don't know if you ever use it as a resource. It's a fabulous one when trying to understand a country. It was co-founded by Eleanor Roosevelt, and it's always prided itself on being bipartisan. In fact, if you look at their board of directors, my guess is you wouldn't even recognize any of the names that constitute Republicans. They just it's 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 just not it's just not a partisan organization. If you look up What they have to say about Iran, it's categorized in the not free category. They score countries on one to 100, one meaning least free, 100 being most free. Iran gets a 16. It gets a 16 out of 100. And then you can look up all of its human rights abuses. You can look up all of its democratic participation, election abuses, pluralism abuses. You can look up how Iran treats its own people and then wonder how it might just treat countries they don't like or people they don't like. Why we are bending over backwards to give a deal to Iran in the first place is the mystery, not that the deal is falling apart. I'm Seth Leibson. Karen Taylor Robeson coming up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As promised, as mentioned, it is a delight to welcome back to the show my good friend, my candidate for our next governor, Karen Taylor Robeson. Karen for Arizona.com is her website, K-A-R-R-I-N-F-O-R, Arizona.com. Karen just put out a major education plan, education policy plan, And I wanted to have her talk a little bit about it with us. Karen, welcome back to the show. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you, too. Um, Before we get to the specifics of your plan in Arizona, we're going to be talking education. 
Um, you can't talk education this week without a word or two about what happened in Texas. There may not be a words for it, but I wonder if you might have a reaction to it. Well, it's you know it's it's beyond words the tragedy that that uh, we've all we've all witnessed, and uh, you know we have to do better for our kids. We have to do better, you know, for our communities. When when you know it's just one more example of of pain in our country. You know the the mental health crisis uh, that that we are seeing. The you know the fact that suicide is now the number one cause of accidental death in America. Um, the dramatic rise in drug abuse. I mean, all these things are pointing to a uh, a situation that requires all of us to do some, um, you know, self reflection in, individually in our families and our communities. And you know, when you know, when I step back and take a look and and say, why, why is this happening? You know, we've we've taken. You know, I'll just be. I'll, I'll tell you my insight. Mm-hmm. We've we've taken God out of everything. Mm-hmm. And and when we do that, chaos ensues yeah. in this this just disregard for life. I, I think you know the challenge of our times is to to build and preserve a culture of life. You know where where we are protecting life, protecting innocent life. You know and 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 building a culture. You know focused on teaching that that you know life is precious. Every single one of us are precious. And, uh, you know, we're not disposable. And, and That's yet, such an important point. We're not disposable. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it means attaching policies to those words, doesn't it? We can't esteem life while engaging in policies that discriminate right. against it or devalue it. And we can't ask right. kids to be adults and we can't have adults who are acting like children. I think all of that is what's going on here, too. You right. Betcha, and, and, you know. We we have this loneliness epidemic yep. uh, going on where we're we're more connected than ever technologically, yep. and yet we're less connected. Yep. And everybody gets into their little you know their their worlds, their social media worlds, and, mm-hmm. and we forget that we're human beings. We forget you know the precious nature of life, and and then you know we're social beings, and we need to be there for one another. And 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 we're now just witnessing in you know on TV and in real life we're we're witnessing just this this culture of of death that that we need to to figure out and overcome before we all perish together. You take a sledgehammer to social life, you can't be ex, uh, surprised when 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 that institution then shatters. Uh, nice right. nicely put, right. Karen. Um, on a on a on a sad note, let's look to yeah. the future. Um, let's look to your education plan. It's a great one. I know a little bit about education. You know my background in it. I know yeah. yours. I, I guess I should also yeah. put in a word that you um, you did this in con- in 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 cooperation with one of the greatest education reformers in the history of this country and certainly in the history of Arizona, the person more than anyone else responsible for giving us the freedom of choice in education in Arizona. You did this with Lisa Graham Keegan, if I'm not mistaken, yes? Yes, I did. I, I did, I'm, and I'm proud to have her on my team and Good. helping me. Good. And, uh, you know, I also have uh, Governor Fife Symington uh, as a co-chair of my campaign, Good. and he, of course, along with Lisa Graham Keegan, were the uh, were the were the reason that we have uh, charter schools in Arizona. You know, we we boast some of the very best uh, charter schools in the nation, 
And because of their work some 30 years ago, we're a national leader in school choice. And everyone says it, and they are the ones that got it here, brought it to us, yes. gave it to us, and you're working with them, and they're working with you. So let's get I had, this was a short segment, uh, Karen. Let me take a quick commercial break. When we come back, okay. let's get into the nuts and bolts of uh, your education proposals, your proposals for education reform in Arizona. I'm Seth Leaps, and she's Karen Taylor Robes, and I've got Dagny in the studio here today, Karen. Uh, how fun for me! Oh, fun. <laughs> Next time we got to bring you in and and your puppies as well. I'm Seth Leaps, yes. and she's Karen. Karen Taylor Robeson. We'll be right back. There's one great voice, Jimmy Buffett. Let me give you another, Karen Taylor Robeson, my candidate for governor here in Arizona. One of the reasons I like Karen so much, there are a lot of them. One of them is, you know, when a candidate is asking for your vote, a good question to ask is, what were they doing before they were in the public eye seeking public voting for their policy proposals? One of the things I know about Karen is her rolling up her sleeves and being involved in a lot of projects, civics education. She was ahead of the curve when it came to a civics education crisis, not only in Arizona, but in our country. And in your new uh, education plan, Karen, you double down on teaching civics. Tell the audience a little bit about your commitment to civics education, what you have gotten done in Arizona on it and in some other states, and what you're talking about with civics boot camp in your education plan. Well, thank you for that, Seth. Um, You know, public education in America was first started uh, for one reason, and that was to teach our children how to be responsible, engaged citizens in a, in a self-governing society. And somehow along the way, we forgot that. We, we failed to do that. And, and I'm often reminded of, of Ronald Reagan, who I had the honor of, of serving at the White House many, many years ago, when he said, you know, freedom is one generation away from extinction, and, and we don't, we don't uh, pass it down in our bloodstream. We have to teach it and nurture it. Right. So civics education has been a huge, huge priority of mine. I served as the chair of the Joe Foss Institute when we were um, uh, working on the civics education initiative, which requires every high school senior in Arizona to take the same citizenship test that immigrants to the country have to take in order to become citizens. Uh, we got that passed several years ago. In fact, it was the very first piece of legislation that Governor Ducey signed. That's right. And uh, very, very proud of that work. And then we, we, we took that show on the road, if you will, to uh, many other states around the country. And, and last I heard, 33 states now have the same requirement. So we, we estimate that four to six million high school seniors each year have to take that test. So they have to have some fundamental basic knowledge of of American history and American government, American economic institutions. And so in my education plan, I have included a, a civics education boot camp for teachers because what we're learning is a lot of our teachers in the high schools, they don't have have the, the background, That's right. the fundamental knowledge. And so we're going to fill that gap, and we're going to encourage and incentivize our teachers to go to a boot camp so that they can learn. Not just what, you know, there's a big difference between civic in- engagement showing up at a, at a protest right. and really understanding. <laughs> knowing the, why you're showing up, knowing what you're talking about right. when you do show up, right? Right, right. <laughs> kind of understanding the importance of the First Amendment and, and, and why our ability to use our words and civil discourse is so important to, 
do this grand experiment in self-government that we call America. By the way, I have to mention on your education plan, and people can get it, they can read it at KarenForArizona.com. It's it's well written. You make, in fact, you open with a commitment to uh, parents' rights in freedom of speech, and you take on the Biden administration for calling parents who care about their children's education enough to show up at public school board meetings. You take them on for being called terrorists and being treated like such, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our parents, every parent should have complete, uh, uh, there should be complete transparency so that every parent can, can go online and, and, and see what their kids are learning and, and understand the outcomes that are, that, that are happening in, in a child's school. You know, I was telling a group the other day, you can go online and get more information about a dishwasher yep. than you can about your child's education. Yep. And, and the notion that the bureaucrats in our schools don't think that parents should have have the have access to understand what their kids are learning is crazy. And so I'm I am a huge advocate of school choice. I have been for decades, and I believe the more choice that we give our parents, the more opportunity we give parents to understand what their kids are learning or not learning, uh, the better our system is going to be. Because I, like many other parents, they, you know, we're 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 passionate about our kids, and if we're passionate about our kids. We're passionate about what they're learning. Good. And so we should have all of that information at our fingertips, and that's why when I'm governor, parents will have, have the ability to, to, to see what schools are performing and what the schools are teaching them. And, and if a school is teaching their kid you know, critical race theory or anything else, Pull them out of the school because you'll have another option. You'll have another option, and it'll be a meaningful option, right? I mean, school choice doesn't matter much if there aren't uh, meaningful choices. And your commitment, it's part of your whole program, really, is to, is, is to make sure that there's not only universal choice, choice available to everyone, but choice for schools that are, in fact, good, including what you're doing for teachers, which is treating them like the professionals we think they should be and they tell us they are, right? Right, and we should we should pay good teachers like we want to keep them. Right. If we do that, when we do that, we won't have a teacher shortage. Right now, we have a system that is so top heavy that that you know the money goes in at the top to the bureaucracy, and somehow it gets you know filtered through the bureaucracy, and the money is not making it into the classrooms. You know, Governor Ducey has put more money into education than any other governor, and yet the money is not making it into the classroom. We must change that. Our teachers deserve better. Our teachers are the ones that are with our kids every day, not the administrators and the assistant superintendent and the deputy assistant superintendent and the five others below them. They're not the ones with our children. We need to pay the teachers like we want to keep them, and we need to squeeze it out of the bureaucracy and put it into the classroom. And it'll and, be a net savings. My, it'll be a net savings, actually. It, it, it will. And you'll see in my plan that I believe the money has to follow the, the, the child into yep. the classroom. Exactly. That's right. when we will get accountability in our school system. By the way, you also put in a word, not too many people focus on this. I'm glad you did. The importance of effective principles, too. You know, when yes. you talk to yes. teachers who are dissatisfied, disgruntled, or upset with their jobs, it, sometimes it's money. It's not usually the first thing they say. Often it's the leadership, right? Often it's Absolutely. people who will back them up as principals. Yes, and study after study shows that the most most impactful person in the entire education system on the outcome of, of, of your kid's education, is, uh, other than the parents, of course, but the principal. Yep. And, and oftentimes, the school districts dictate down to the principals what they can and can't do. 
we need to empower the principal. They need to have budgetary authority. They need to have the ability to reward the good teachers. Mm -hmm. They need the ability to be flexible because they know their closest and that's, you know, my political philosophy is the closer the, the decision-making is to the, to the desired outcome, the better outcome you're going to have. And so I will be a, a huge advocate of empowering principals to make those decisions. It'll sure, sure put you on a collision course with the current administration in Washington, D.C., a collision course that we need to be on, I have to say. Yes, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're, you're, you're going to do it. You have a lot in this plan, uh, including, as we were talking about, more on transparency. Workforce training is another big aspect of it, and um, we didn't get to it today, and we got to run, but I wanted to note it for our audience. People can read it, and you'll be on, obviously. Again, we'll talk about workforce training next time you visit with us. But this education plan of Karen's, it's big and it's bold and it's important, and I want to salute you for doing it, Karen. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for having me on. Always. Godspeed to you. KarenForArizona.com if you want to read this education reform proposal of hers, K-A-R-R-I-N-F-O-R-Arizona.com. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by the good people of Balance of Nature. They are good people. Speaking of history and civics education, we had talked with uh, with uh, Tom Jones, the, uh, uh, what would you call him, an extreme athlete, doing 76 uh, marathons in 76 days across the country to uh, help promote the teaching of American history, fueled by and sponsored by Balance of Nature. They also make a hell of a great product. I take it every single day, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables in one daily Dose. Good stuff on the veggie side, everything from carrots and cayenne peppers to wheatgrass, garlic, spinach, you name it, you got it. You take it once a day and you boost your energy, your health, and your immunity. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Um, you know how I was mentioning earlier the strategy that the left engages in with their drive-by assaults? On our polity, they just throw out an allegation irresponsibly. It can range anywhere from uh, election reform laws being Jim Crow 2.0 to fraudulent elections, if and only if it's a Republican who is the victor, i.e., Kemp or Trump. Um, and while we, you know, effort the analysis and response because it's not easy to respond to every charge. You have to, you know, get your facts, do the analysis, and, you know, sometimes even go to court. Uh, While we're doing that, they're on to the next thing. They're on to the next thing. It's kind of like what uh, Richard Dreyfuss said in uh, Jaws. They are perfect eating machines, sharks. They swim and eat and make little baby sharks, and that's all they do. I kind of have that same view of the left. They just swim and eat and make baby leftists. That's all they do. They don't stop and think about the havoc they wreck, and they don't care about it. They don't care about the accountability. Why this long wind-up? Because if you go to Issues and Insights, which is the old in, um, Investor's Business Daily crowd, you will see that while we thought we put a stake in the heart of the disinformation board, on the QT, on the QT, it's not necessarily gone. We may have celebrated that victory just a little too soon. 
As they say, no bad idea ever dies in Washington. Once it takes root, it will reemerge in another form. So all the huzzahs about the demise of the Biden administration's Orwellian Disinformation Governance Board are premature. We'll get into some of that in the next hour as well. Take a break for the top of the hour news break. Don't go away. I am Seth Liebson, and we will be right back. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 